passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Ah, welcome in to the latest episode of the Utopia Football Podcast, the preseason week three edition, previewing the San Francisco 49ers and the Houston Texans in what is going to be actually an historic broadcast, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, Amazon Prime doing their first broadcast of a Thursday night football game right here at our own little stadium, NRG Stadium, as the Texans take on the 49ers in what should be a very interesting preseason game. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast mornings on Sports Radio 610, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And as as always, joined by the Hall of Famer, also part of our team at Sports Radio 610, the General John McClain. John, you and I were a little sleep deprived because we uh, we had a somewhat late night last night sitting in those beautiful seats uh, that uh, Joe Sutton has at the Astros game. Uh, But it's worth it because that was a lot of fun at the Astros game last night. We got to see Justin Verlander throw a six inning no hit. A little league, John. It was a little Man. league no hitter. He threw a little league little, no hitter. That's a, a great way to put it. He's six innings. He was on a 90 pitch count. He had 91 pitches. And I understand. And, and Verlander did too about why he came out at this point. You know, they have two things to play for. They're going to win the division. They're battling the Yankees for home field advantage. And if it goes seven games to go to the World Series, you want that game at Minute Maid Park and not Yankee Stadium. So they have a lot to play for, but they also have to make sure Verlander is ready for the playoffs. Yeah, and um, we got to see Carlos Correa get all those flowers from everybody before the game, during the game, probably after the game as well. Um, John, I know where you power rank standing ovations in certain points during the evening. You are pro standing ovation before a game, and you are staunch anti standing ovation during the game for the for any opposing player, even one that did as much nice uh, as many nice things as Carlos Correa did for the Astros. Once the first pitch is thrown, he is the enemy. Yeah, and there can be no disputing that. If you want to give him more tributes, start him earlier. 
and he broke up the no hitter and that uh, the Tex the Texans, the Astros managed to pull it out yeah. and win, and that was great. Verlander has been fantastic on his way to the Cy Young Award and and, and the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Yep, I think he's going to get them both. It was good practice for Houstonians, John, because you know Deshaun Watson's going to be coming back in early December, so we got to get our. You know, we gotta get our Ooh. we gotta get our standing ovation game going. <laughs> yeah, I, think it's I don't think there's gonna be any video tributes to Deshaun. No. I think there's gonna be a lot of protesting outside in our stadium by women and women's group and lots of booze and a lots of obscene chants. It's gonna be the most interesting game of the season. No doubt, no doubt about that. And that's a good segue into talking about the Houston Texans. John McClain, me, Sean Pendergast here with you on the Utopia Football Podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, John, as we uh, always do in previewing games, you and I do our little pregame six-pack where we chug a lug on six different things to watch in the uh, upcoming game. When we do this uh, next time after this podcast, it'll actually be for a regular season game that counts. But this one, I I know the result of this game doesn't count, but Lovey Smith has said he's going to play his starters in this game. And between starters needing to prove a little something, and also I would say plenty of guys that are battling for roster spots, there's plenty to watch in this game on Thursday night. So as always, I will let you do the honors. You and I each throw out three things for the people to be looking out for in Thursday night's game. John, you are first in the pregame six-pack. Go, my friend. I said it last week, Sean, and I'll say it again, and I hope I don't have to say it a third time. But if you're a Texans fan, based on what you've seen so far of Davis Mills, you have to be concerned. Now, maybe he will put those concerns to rest and he will be on target against the 49ers. In Amazon's first game, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this, not just from fans, but media people, social media, all of them want to critique Amazon's first game. And it's a good time for Davis Mills to improve, as it is with Trey Lance. But Davis Mills needs to throw the ball better. He needs to be more accurate. So there is no concern about the story quarterback going into the season other than the fact he's a second year starter yeah I'm nervous about Mills John I mean I know some people are kind of writing it off as well it's preseason and Cooks hasn't been out there and Tunsil hasn't been out there and it's been a patchwork offensive line if he were getting chased all evening long in these first two games you know the first game he had played two series but I'm talking more like the the Rams game last Friday and 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 granted there I mean Sharping had a busted uh, busted uh, protection at one point, but it was about the throws. Like he just, he was off. Like he, he was, 
there were miscommunications. There were near interceptions. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about this because uh, this, this is the theme of the year. Uh, the biggest story with the Texans this year is going to be the development or the lack thereof of Davis Mills. I'm, I'm nervous about Mills right now. Everybody should be. Okay. So Davis Mills first for the, uh, six pack for John McClain, John, my first one for the pregame six pack is going to be rookie guard, Kenyon green, who we haven't even really see play real football yet as a Houston Texan. He didn't play in either of the first two preseason games he's seen no game action yet they haven't practiced against any other NFL teams that's the only other time where we would really see him going against actual opposition at full speed the Texans have chosen not to do that this preseason and even in practice where the Texans have largely they haven't been bringing anybody to the ground the interior blocking has been somewhat physical but it doesn't really totally replicate what you're going to see in a game uh Kenyon Green has missed those practices by and large because of the concussion. So this is really our first look at Kenyon Green as an NFL football player. And uh, let's face it, this is a pick that as this franchise rebuilds, they need to get right. They need to get all these first round picks or as many as they can. Right. And uh, and so Kenyon Green, I'm going to be watching him. I'm guessing he's going to be playing with the backups. I'll be anxious to see how long he plays considering he hasn't seen any game action yet. But uh, that's that's my first one in the six-pack, John. What do you think? John, I think he, when he got there, he was out of shape. You could see him going back to the huddle slower than the other linemen. Then he got the concussion. He might have been nicked up on something else. But they drafted him in the first round because they want him to start at left guard. They don't want to start Max Sharping, who's been terrible. They don't want to start Justin McRae, who's number one right now, and he's a backup. You know, they want it to be green. Now, if he looks decent against the 49ers, then he's got over two weeks to get ready for the Colts if, indeed, they want to start him. Maybe green at 80% is better than McRae at 100%. But if, say, three or four games in, he's playing the way they expected him to when they drafted him, then what happened in preseason won't matter. But right now, he's under a lot of pressure. Pressure is he doesn't have anybody effective ahead of him. Yeah, no, it's uh, – it's the, and, the, and to that point, added pressure on Davis Mills – because his offensive line, you know, that there's a, a, an area they thought they might have shored up is uh, it's still up in the air. And uh, we saw what happened with Max Sharping in that first preseason game. All right, John, what's your second one in the pregame six pack? It's going to be a position group tied in. Nick Serio made a trade for Adam Sheehan. It was they couldn't pass the physical. Shaheem, is it Sheehan or Shaheem? Whatever it was, he didn't have a cup of coffee or he flunked his physical. Now he's on injured reserve for the Dolphins. And if Casario thought they needed a blocking tight end enough to give up a low pick, then I'm sure he's going to be still looking for one. If he has one targeted, um, they'll have the third waiver claim. But what if somebody ahead of you takes him? Otherwise, it might be better to give up a low-round pick. And so they still need a blocking tight end. Uh, Brevin Jordan is an H-back. Brevin Jordan is a large wide receiver, even though he's listed at tight end. Farrell Brown could do it, but Farrell's been inconsistent. He needs to be on the field all the time. You know, he said his agent told him blocking tight ends make the minimum. Well, there's no reason you can't do both. And even though they have other tight ends uh, on the roster, I'm guessing that Casario's still looking for a legitimate blocker. Yeah, I would say, and, you know, mentioned the, the rookie Tegan Catoriano. He had a touchdown in the last game. He was drafted as a blocker, but if you're counting on a, 
a fifth round rookie to be, uh, you know, some sort of, I won't say savior, but if you're counting on him to contribute significantly at a position, that's not a great strategy as well. I'm with you there. The tight end position is one that's been there. There's it's created more questions than answers. I'll just put it that way throughout the, the, uh, throughout the preseason. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus my next one in the pregame six-pack, John, is going to be your guy, Damian Pierce, who we didn't get a look at in the, uh, in the last game against the Rams. Of course, the rookie running back out of Florida, the fourth-round pick, who looked awesome in the preseason opener against the Saints. So good that Nick Casario and Lovey Smith basically said, well, we've seen enough, at least for this week, to where we need to get a, we need to get a look at other guys, Marlon Mack, Daria Gumbawale, uh, Royce Freeman, guys like that who are, at least in the case of the latter two, fighting to make the roster. I think Mac is going to make the team, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm anxious to see if Damian Pierce gets a chance to run with the ones as opposed to running behind the backup offensive line, which he did very, very well against the Saints. Does Damian Pierce get treated in this game like uh, a first-string running back? And if he is running behind the ones and we do see a legitimate version of a number one offensive line, the same personnel that we're going to see against Indianapolis how does he look running behind that line so Pierce in a good way is on my uh, players to watch the six-pack for me in practice this week Mac ran with the first team then Pierce ran with the first team so I think Pierce is going to get some snaps with the first team I'm interested we'll see Laramie Tunsil for the first time since the fifth game of last season and I heard Joe Thomas the great former Browns offensive tackle on NFL Network, and he was talking about, yes, he needed to to play some in preseason. And he talked about all the things he needed to do in preseason to get ready for the regular season. And considering he's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer next year, I would think that what he talked about would be appropriate for everybody if they want to be great. Tunsil, I'm guessing, is going to play against the 49ers. I'm wondering, too, Sean, um, this is Amazon's first broadcast. They don't want a bunch of scrubs out there with so many eyeballs on them. And I remember when the NFL used to tell teams in the Hall of Fame game, look, we know it's a fifth game, but we want you to put the starters out there for a series or two. We don't want all backups. And they would do it. So I'm wondering if the league has told the Niners and Texans, both of whom are going to play starters, we want you to put some legitimate players out there at the first of the game. And if not, would they have still started them? I'm guessing Lovey would have because he's a new coach, and new coaches need to see what they've got. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's been around. 
uh, for a while. Trey Lance, you know, is going into his first season as a starter. But that's why I'm excited about this preseason game, Sean, because ordinarily this is the one where they put in the dregs. Yeah, well, you're right, John. I, I would say as far as um, hope that we see the front the front line players from both sides, uh, this is where I'll dip into my uh, gambling acumen here. Um, the Texans were favored in Los Angeles last Friday. You know, they were a two and a half point favorite. Well, what does that indicate? Well, the Texans, a bad team on the road at the defending Super Bowl champs. That was obviously a big tell that the Rams weren't going to play any of their guys in that game. And the Texans were going to at least put together some sort of effort, which they did for a half with Davis Mills with their frontline guys. For what it's worth in this game tonight uh, against the um, uh, against the San Francisco 49ers, the Niners are favored by three and a half on the road against the Texans, which would seem to indicate to me that there's an expectation that the 49ers are going to going to at least for a period of time uh, play their frontline players in this game. But I'm with you on the Amazon thing. You're right. <laughs> Amazon, the folks, Amazon is spending such a ridiculous amount of money for these games, John. It's crazy. Because they got big ridiculous amounts. They do. They do. They do. 56 cameras and pudding cannons and uh, dude perfect and uh, all kinds of crazy things going on with this game on this broadcast, this Amazon broadcast. Um, all right, so mine's Damian Pierce. John, last one for the pregame six-pack for you. Um, the thing I want to see is since they're playing a legitimate quarterback, can they play better against the legitimate quarterback, Trey Lance, than they played against their last legitimate quarterback, Andy Dalton, who went straight down the field for a touchdown against them with the Saints. Now, I'm guessing – Last week, I think they only missed two starters, Malik Collins and Jerry Hughes. And I think that uh, this is a really good test for the defense. You know, they got a bunch of sacks in the first quarter, four, finished with six. Lance is mobile. He's strong. He can break uh, arm tackles. So will the defensive line keep it up? And how will the reconstructed secondary with four new starters play against a legitimate quarterback? That's a good one. That's a very, very good one. John, my last one is uh, just kind of like what you just did, not a specific player, because we'll get into some of the position battles here, played a little either or in just a moment with some of these position battles for the 53-man roster. I'm anxious to watch special teams for a couple of reasons. One, the Texans had some mistakes on special teams in, in the last game. Uh, you know, Tremont Smith letting the ball roll into the end zone. Chester Rogers, who's in, on injured reserve now, but made a huge mistake on special teams that allowed the Rams to stay in that game. Um, I'm anxious to see if they clean some things up on special teams, see what the kicking game looks like. And I'm also anxious to see who's being used out there on those specific special teams units and what kind of plays they can make. Your guy, Graylin Arnold, say it, John. Sick him. Give it to him. Sick him Bears. Graylin Arnold had a great game. He had a great game. He made an impression on special teams to the point where Lovey Smith brought his name up at a press conference this week. There are going to be guys who make this team possibly based on how they play on special teams. So I'll be curious to see who's getting some of the frontline work in the first half on some of those units where they're running down, covering kicks or, or protecting, blocking for, for guys in the return game. You know, because those would presumably be guys that maybe are fringe guys who are a little further up the rock, further, you know, towards making that 53. So who are the guys they're using and then how do they play? Are there guys that maybe weren't on the radar before that make a few plays on special teams that allow them to maybe make the team, possibly make the practice squad? You know, Lovey re refers to the totality 
of this team, not as just the 53, but as the, the 70, the 53 on the, the roster, the 16 on the practice squad, plus their international players. So special teams will be a big one for me because this is this is how guys make the team this time of year. Something that went overlooked in that victory over the Rams, last play of the game, Graylin Arnold picked up a fumble. They didn't call it because the game expired. Yeah. If there would have been another second or two on there, Lovey Smith would have challenged and they would have seen it was a legitimate recovery. So he ought to have two turnovers against the Rams. Sick them. Uh, John, okay. Yeah. The Utopia Football Podcast. Featuring John campaigning for Baylor football players to make these. How many Baylor guys are there in camp, John? There's there's Graylin Arnold. Or the greatest snapper in NFL history, John, John Weeks. Weeks. Yep. The candidate for NFL defensive rookie of the year, safety Jalen Petrie, cornerback yep. Graylin Arnold, and a receiver free agent Drew Estrada, but he got hurt and didn't do squat. Yep, he's uh, he's in danger of not making the team. I would say. All right, Strade so, is persona non grata. Yep, yep, he is he is uh, he is PNG baby. All right, so that's our pregame six pack uh, right there, getting you ready for the 49ers game, John. This time next week, when we or I should say early in the week, I would imagine once we're done with the 49ers game, kind of looking back, you and I will probably try to construct a 53 man roster in our next episode because the cutdowns are all going to start happening over the weekend. So let's start to look sort of in that direction and let's rapid fire a few of these. I've got a few position battles or at least, you know, guys struggling to make the roster jotted down here in front of you. And I want to get your thoughts on each of these. So we'll do a little, we'll do a little either or John. So let's, let's do this quarterback, Jeff Driscoll versus everyone else trying to make the 53 man roster right now with that back with the, with the last spot or two on the roster. Is this a team that is a three quarterback team right now, especially given the fact that Driscoll's look good in the first two preseason games. The comeback kid. What if he leads them to a victory over the 49ers, the comeback kid engineers, three victories and then goes on the practice squad. <laughs> okay. So that's a no for him making the 53 man roster. Hey, John, what about fullback with this team? We, we didn't mention that Andy Janovich who they signed as a free agent during the offseason, man, I was kind of conceding that he was going to make the team and be the fullback. We know that Lovey Smith, we know that Lovey Smith has been very upfront about one, their desire to run the football, and two, the presence of a fullback on this team being an indicator of how much they want to run the football. So, my next, I say either or, it's really three choices. It's uh, Paul Questenberry, Questenberry, the fullback, I like to call him. Uh, Troy Hairston, the converted linebacker who is a rookie free agent and all the fullbacks that might get waived from around the league. One, does this team have a fullback when they have a, when they put together the roster for week one and two, is that roster in their training camp right now? Or is it somebody that's on another team? First of all, I don't know. And I don't care. It's a fullback. We're hardly ever going to see the guy, but. I'd like it to be Paul Quisenberry. He went, he's David Quisenberry's brother, who is always, uh, I will always have a soft spot for the Quisenberries after David beat cancer. But he also went to Navy and was in the military. It'd be a great story. So I hope for his background, Paul Quisenberry is their fullback. 
This Troy Hairston, though, John, is turning a lot of heads. Seth and I were talking about the fullback position on the show this morning. And I get it. You're right. It's not the sexiest position. I wouldn't even be bringing it up if Lovey hadn't thrown in our faces two or three times during the offseason how proud they were to have a fullback on the team. But the head coach is saying it, so I got to touch on it. But this Troy Hairston kid, Seth and I are talking about it this morning. We got a text from John Harris, whose opinion I greatly respect. And he's a huge Troy Hairston guy, a kid who was a linebacker at Central Michigan who they're trying to turn into a fullback. Apparently, he is a, he's a headbanger, man. This, this uh, number 34, he would be the next great number 34 in Houston sports, John. They would say Campbell, Ryan, Olajuwon, Hairston. Hairston might make an undrafted free agent, but my soft spot is for Paul Quisenberry, but it won't surprise me at all if it's not Hairston, 5'11", 245. And if they get in a jam, he could play linebacker. He could. He could. And, he, and, and I'm sure he's. they got him running down on special teams and doing some things also. All right, so the next one, John, as we're kind of going through the back end of the roster here, wide receiver, I think Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins are locks. I think Chris Conley is pretty close to a lock to make the team. Philip Dorsett did some really nice things in the last game. I think he makes the team. If they if they take five wide wide uh, five wide receivers, I'm going to give you an either or Chris Moore or somebody from the pool of everybody else that's a wide receiver still left on the roster to make this team. I'll say Chris Moore. They can put anybody else on the practice squad. Fact is, if you bring in a wide receiver, you claim on waivers, he's going to be so far behind. So it's almost better to have somebody on the practice squad you can elevate because no good receivers are going to be available unless they're head cases. And there's a lot of head cases at wide receiver, but I'm going with the five veterans and maybe they put Johnson or Weddington on the practice squad. Wouldn't it be fun if they brought in a head case, though, John? This team's not. This team needs a for for, the, for those of us in the media. We need a little sizzle like that. I need I, I need me a good head case in training. Antonio camp. Brown's available. <laughs> it's available. That's true. That's true. And I'm trying to think. Nick was in the building when they signed Antonio Brown up in New England, was he not? He was, and they cut him so fast his head was spinning. Yeah, but maybe Nick didn't want to cut him. Maybe Nick wanted to give him a chance, and Belichick said, nope, we're not giving this guy a chance. I like it when there's no head cases and no controversy. Oh, come on, John. Come on. All right, so um, I'm with you. I think Chris Moore. I've got Chris Moore making the team as of right now. But I'll say this. The the practice squad, uh, there's going to be some interesting bodies on that practice squad based on some of the things we've seen in the preseason games. Jalen Camp's done some good things, and Johnny Johnson the third. Um, all right, next one. I got two more for you, John. We've not talked about – I can't believe we haven't talked about Ross Blacklock yet in this podcast. Blacklock is not going to play in Thursday night's game against the 49ers. That was made clear by Lovey Smith. When he's been on the field, he's not played well. Um, I practiced earlier this week. He was sitting there in a bucket hat with an ice pack on his groin. Maybe he could just got a vasectomy. I don't know. That's why he had an ice pack there. But I'm guessing it's a groin injury. Um I think if we look at this defensive line unit, let's assume that Lovey's taking 10 guys on the 53-man roster. I think that the battle for the last spot on that defensive line is going to come down to Ross Blacklock, Michael Dwumfor, number 98, and then, of course, number 69, our guy, Big Heine, Kurt Heinish. So, John, in that three-way battle, who goes? Well, I think Thomas Booker and, and, uh, and Big Heine – 
Cardanish will be on the team. I mm-hmm. don't think going for, I think Blacklock's gone. They may put him on the hour and then reach an injury settlement. Maybe if he's not hurt, it's too bad he couldn't play in this game. And then maybe they could get a low pick. Getting a former second round pick for a low pick would be pretty good. And then maybe they'll keep him on hour for a while and then, and then see if what he's like when he's activated, if he's activated. But I do not see Blacklock making this team. You know, if he goes on IR and it's still the preseason, then you're done for the year. You can't put a guy on IR in the preseason. Right. He's got to be on the roster. Yep. So so I, I, I'm with you. I don't think he makes it. Um, I could see Nick Casario calling around to see if maybe, you know, some team thinks that they can find whatever it is that had the Texans – picking Ross Blacklock with the 40th overall pick. Maybe a change of scenery does some good. We've seen that happen before, you know, where guys, teams are getting ready to cut guys. And then another team's getting ready to cut some guy and they look and they go, okay, well, maybe there's a need here. When TJ Yates, uh, the Texans are ready to cut him and they end up trading him for Akeem Dent a few years back because both teams had a, had a need uh, uh, in 2019. More recently, the Texans are ready to cut Martinez Rankin and the Chiefs are ready to cut Carlos Hyde. Hell, the Texans got a thousand yard rusher uh, out, of, out of that deal. Um, so maybe they try to swing some sort of trade, but I'm with you. I don't think Blacklock makes this team. And John, that would close the book on the worst trade in the history of this franchise. It would be it all would. done. David Johnson's gone, long gone. I don't even know if he's in the league. And then I think Blacklock will get another chance from a team that will use him in a different front, different kind of four-man front, letting him shoot the gaps instead of taking on double teams like Roy Lopez. I think he'll go somewhere else, and hopefully for him, he'll thrive because Blacklock's a really good guy. He was highly rated. He was rated as a second-rounder, and they took him as a second-rounder. We all thought it was a good pick, but it just hasn't panned out. Not at all. Not even close. One of the worst picks in franchise history. All right, John, last one, and uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I know you're biased about this, but I'm looking at cornerback, and if this team keeps five or six cornerbacks, I think the battle for the last spot could come down to number 20, Isaac Yadam. Uh, number 22, Fabian Moreau, who has a fumble recovery here in the preseason. And then your guy, Graylin Arnold, who was one of the stars of the win over the Rams in a three-way battle there. Who comes away with the uh, who comes away with the, the brass ring and the roster spot? Now, have we seen Adam or Moreau do anything? No. Have we seen Arnold do something? Yes. Graylin Arnold's going to be on this team. If he's not, they'll put him on the practice squad and those other guys can be on the practice squad too. I thought you were with Arnold. I thought you were going to say, if he's not, I'm marching into Lovey Smith's office and telling him all the reasons why he should be on the team. That's what I thought you were going to say. Lovey's a smart guy. So is Nick Casario. They know talent when they see it. There's no need to try to go into their office. And if you did, you'd probably get shot. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's not like was... the old days when we could walk in a coach or GM's office, sit down, talk to him, and they show us tape, and you watch tape of players, and they talk about him no more. Okay. I'm saying, that's terrible to see you get shot. You get tased. Okay. Yeah. No, I was gonna say like the whole thing about getting shot. I'm like, man, I, I I've heard some things about those Oilers teams back in the day. I, I feel like there might have been a firearm or two in one of those offices if you went and marched into it back in the day. Um, so there you go. So we've got our uh, we've got our position battles laid out for you, the uh, Utopia Football Podcast listener. We've got you all armed and ready to go with things to watch, including the new Amazon broadcast. I, I'm actually, John, we won't really get a chance to kind of see how that all lays out because we're going to be up in the press box for that game. 
Um, but I, I am, I, I suppose we could stream it on our computers while the game's playing out right in front of us, but that should be, uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, Fitzy's going to be on there. Richard Sherman's going to be on there. I think I saw Andrew Whitworth. Keem Tlaib will not be on there. He, he won't. And never no. should have been picked to be on there. That guy's had so many problems off the field in his career. I was stunned when they put him on there. I'm, John, I'm stunned. He he had he had a job at Fox for a little bit. Like that, yes. The Akeem Tlaib love that goes around. I'm like, go read his wiki page. Like this doesn't seem like a great dude. But it, he does seem like one of those guys where, at least until he starts um, fights at uh, youth football games that end with somebody getting murdered, for the last few years, it does seem like for that particular player, like winning has been a huge deodorant for him, him being on some Super Bowl teams. Keep to leave. Yeah, yeah, but you can't get rid of that stink when you're – I remember there was one thing where he, he was running down the street shooting at somebody, and he yeah. got off of that too. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. All right, um, so John, let's um, let's close things out here on this episode. Just some sad, sad news um, earlier in the week uh, in the uh, Texans family. Jamie Roots, who uh, left the team back in February of 2021, but in his two decades that he was with the team, was a a, a huge reason why this team became such a big business success. Of course, former president of the team. Um, and just a fixture in not just with the Texans, but in the Houston sports community, the Houston philanthropic community, um, Jamie Roots passing away on Sunday at the age of 56. Of course, it's been a rough last year and a half for Jamie. Um, and as I know you've talked about, but just your, your thoughts on, um, what Jamie Roots meant to this, uh, Texans franchise. I knew Jamie for 22 years. He was hired at the recommendation of Lamar Hunt, Bob McNair. He came in heading marketing, did a really good job, then had an offer from another team. Bob named him president and did a great job. But Jamie resigned and regretted it immediately, thought he was going to write books, and he wrote a book while he was there his last year. He asked me to write the foreword. I did, and I said, this is the greatest fiction I've ever written. And uh, so he had the book. He taught some at U of H and he said he would, he taught some at Sam Houston state and he would quit. And, you know, truthfully, I knew because he talked to a couple of people about suicide and everybody told him to get help and he wouldn't do it. And I know his family, Melissa and the kids are TCU. They're just devastated. And, and, and I'm sad but I'm mad too. And you can't imagine the depression somebody feels when they kill themselves and they got a wife and kids to take care of. And Jamie was one of the movers and shakers behind the salute to the general to raise money for um, be an angel. Yeah. And, and Jamie sold the sponsorships, Rob Lynch, another one, Sarah Frazier, Dan Pastorini. They put it all together. And Rob, when he first called me, he said, we want to do this for you. And you can't say no, because Jamie's already started selling sponsorships. And when, when, when we, I presented a check for 50 grand to be an angel, Jamie was there. Everybody was congratulating him. He was putting on a happy face. I already tried to get his dynamo job back, but he just started working for rice. He had a couple of projects going. He was so good at his job, but he just couldn't get over. He couldn't get that same rush in life that he got from being the president 
of the Texans. And I feel terrible for it. And I feel terrible for Melissa and the kids, just, and all of his friends and family members, you know, condolences because it's just so hard to understand. Yeah, it really is. It really is. His wife, Melissa, posting on Facebook earlier this week, uh, announcing Jamie's passing on there. And I, I, I think it's worth mentioning here, uh, you know, we've got listeners to this podcast and who knows, maybe some listeners that are going through some things right now. She put at the very end of the post, if you or a loved one are thinking about suicide or experiencing a health crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline right now at 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255, or dial 988, I believe is the other number that you can, uh, that you can dial for, for that purpose. So um, you can't repeat that number enough because it, it's, you know, you, you were closer to Jamie than I was, John. Um, and I'd heard, you know, people who were close to him, closer to him than I was like you, that he, he did talk about the difficulties he was, he was going through over the last several months. I saw Jamie at the world cup party, the party where we were celebrating the birth of the world cup, which by the way, Jamie roots had a ton to do with, with, you know, the, the fact that Houston has become such a Mecca for international soccer matches over the last 20 years is in no small part due to the involvement of the Houston Texans and NRG stadium as a venue and Lone Star sports and entertainment and all of that. And Jamie's fingerprints are all over um, international soccer in this town. He, his, he had a passion for soccer. He played it at Clemson. Um, the last time I saw him was at the party. I think it was the end of June for the world cup birth. And I wasn't as close to him as you. So he, he was with me. He was the same old Jamie at that party. He was very energetic and upbeat. And he was talking about some of the things he had going on. And he sounded, you know, he sounded like he was in, in good spirits. And I just think about that sometimes as somebody who's in good spirits. Like a, he was in a he was in a way where I wouldn't have even thought to ask if he was in a dark place like that, you know. Um, but it sounds like he he had been very open with people he was a little closer to about the difficulties that he was going through at the time. You're right. He was in a dark place. And people's regret is that he wouldn't get a therapist to try to help him see the light. He wouldn't do it. Yeah. And uh, and so condolences to his family, his friends, his fans. He took so much from Houston and uh, it's just so, so tragic. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Thoughts and prayers to Jamie's family and certainly the whole Texans family. I know it's been a sad week over at NRG Stadium. All right. So that is it. Uh, we've got a Thursday night game coming up uh, when this drops. It'll be tonight. So I'll say tonight against the San Francisco 49ers. You can hear the game on Sports Radio 610. You can hear me and Seth Payne starting at 415. We'll be in Bud Light Plaza. And, of course, John will be talking to you out there uh, as usual. So we're looking forward to that hit with you during the uh, during Texans countdown. Um, kickoff at 715. And then the postgame show, it'll be me and Clint Sterner taking you into the wee hours of the morning. And then I'll get a couple hours of sleep and come back in and uh, recap the game with Seth Payne at 6 a.m. on Payne and Pendergast. Uh, so that is it. Uh, I am Sean Pendergast. Big thanks to Figgy Fig, who, of course, puts this whole thing together. John and I are not perfect. Figgy Fig tries to make us sound as perfect as he possibly can. So we thank him for that. John, as always, I enjoyed this podcast. Seth. Seth. <laughs> Figgy, Let me, Sean. Cut that. <laughs> Sean, thank you very much, as always. And I uh, can't wait till we do the next one. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And we appreciate all of you listening. Of course, uh, we appreciate when you subscribe, 
download anywhere that you get your podcasts. If it's available to give us a review, give us a good one. We appreciate that as well. For John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see you next time on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.